Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com forward slash credit card. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. If you're looking for the most epic place on Earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes in a Nissan Pathfinder, search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. Your teen requested a ride, but this time, not from you. It's through their Uber teen account. You probably drive your teenager around. A lot. They have gymnastics club, science club, rec soccer club, school soccer club, club soccer club, and three-hour clarinet club on Saturday night. Perfect. Now, with an Uber teen account, you can be there even when you can't. It's an Uber account that allows your teen to request a ride under your supervision. They ride with a highly rated driver. And with live trip tracking, you can follow along the whole ride. Thank you. Add your teen to your Uber account today. See app for details. Welcome in Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. I am Clay Travis. I hope your weekend was fantastic. If you are a fan of North Carolina, Oregon, Gonzaga, or South Carolina, it is indisputably true that your weekend was fantastic. If you are not a fan of one of those four teams, then March sadness has draped itself all over you as a part of the corollary to March madness. We hope once more that we are off and running with a great weekend of uh, results here to uh, to break down for you. Well, let's start with the final four. I thought that the UNC-Kentucky game was effectively the national championship game. You can disagree. You can say, I'm a huge Oregon fan. Did you not see how well we looked or how good we looked? against Kansas. You're right. I blew that one. I thought that Kansas, playing in Kansas City, that there was no way they would lose a virtual home game to Oregon. Moreover, I didn't just think that Kansas would win that game. I thought that certainly they wouldn't get dominated by Oregon like they did. Instead, the Ducks came into Kansas City and they played a virtually flawless game in beating down the Kansas Jayhawks. I thought that South Carolina would lose way before now. I did not think that Frank Martin, who has turned into the story, I think, of the NCAA tournament, would get South Carolina as far as he had. I didn't think that it was possible that a team that had not won an NCAA tournament game since 1973, that a team that stumbled a little bit at the end of the season and into the NCAA tournament itself, would run off four straight victories to advance to their first Final Four ever. I certainly did not think 
that uh, we would end up in a situation where Gonzaga would get a remarkable road to potentially the championship game. They've had to beat an 8 seed, a 4 seed, a 11 seed, and now, it, look, obviously they beat the 16 seed to start with, uh, 16 and 8, a 4 and 11, and now it looks like they're going to be able to beat a 7 seed to advance to the title game. Maybe the Zags are going to get that elusive championship. They certainly got that elusive trip to the Final Four. So even though Oregon had been to the Final Four once before in 1939, pre-World War II, I don't even know if you can hardly count that performance. So effectively, we have three almost first-time Final Four teams. And then we've got, obviously, a blue blood in North Carolina. But I really felt like the Kentucky and North Carolina game was played at such a tremendously high level that it was the effective national title game. I think if Kentucky had won that game, they would have gone on and won the national title. And I feel like North Carolina, having won it, will go on and win the national title. We'll see whether or not I am correct. I think the big question that's hanging out there, and I put this on the poll question, and I, I'm curious what you guys think. We're going to open up our phone lines. We'll let everybody react to the Sweet 16 playing into the Final Four games. I think the big question out there is, has John Calipari underachieved given all of the NBA talent that he has had at Kentucky over the last eight years? I asked that question. It's up as the pinned tweet on my page. You can go find it. Vote if you would like. At Clay Travis on Twitter. Over 11,000 of you have voted since I posted that late last night. And 62% of you say yes, that John Calipari has underachieved to only have one title at Kentucky. Now, let me break it down for you. I went back and I said, okay, let's compare John Calipari to Tubby Smith. In the last eight years, in the first eight years that Tubby Smith was the coach at Kentucky, he won 21 NCAA tournament games. He went to eight straight NCAAs. He went to one Final Four, six Sweet 16s or better, and he won a national championship. In the first eight years that John Calipari has been at Kentucky, he won 26 games. He's been to seven NCAA tournament games. One year they went to the NIT. He's been to four Final Fours, and he's also been to six Sweet 16s or better. Now, John Calipari has dwarfed Tubby Smith when it comes to overall number of draft picks, number of NBA players, first-rounders that he has had on his team. But in an interesting perspective, if you look at the 6th, 7th, and 8th year of their reigns, that is the 6th, 7th, and 8th year of Tubby Smith at Kentucky and the 6th, 7th, and 8th year of John Calipari, Calipari has won eight NCAA tournament games in the last three years. Tubby Smith in those three years won seven. So everybody who says, oh, Tubby inherited players, everything else, well, okay, fine. But by year six, seven, and eight of their tenure, Tubby Smith and John Calipari nearly identical in terms of their NCAA tournament performances. Something worth thinking about. It's been a long time since John Calipari was in the mix to win a championship. Feels like four or five years now. And I think it's fair to ask, and we maybe need to do some research on this. I'll see if Jason Martin can find the details, but I'm going to pull him up because I know he's a big college basketball fan as well, my producer at Jmart Outkick. What do you think? Given all of the NBA talent that John Calipari has had on his roster, is it fair to say that he is underachieved? 
To some extent, if you look at it from, I don't know that anybody has ever said John Calipari is an X's and O's savant. He's a guy that can get the guys into the building. And when you have this one-and-done situation, you don't have a whole lot of time to gel with the team. But I don't know how much of what they've done has been a failure of what he's done or the fact that they've had guys that, you know, the chemistry comes late. You run into a team that's ha- that has guys that have been playing together for a little bit longer. All right, let me, let me stop you there like because that. that's the excuse that Kentucky fans always make. And I would say this. That's what happens when you recruit one-and-done players. Oh, I agree. I'm not willing to allow Kentucky fans to sit around and say, well, he's done an incredible job because every year he has to remake the team. I said, wait, wait, wait. That's his choice. He's choosing, which is fine. He's choosing talent over experience. He's choosing to take the guys that are going to be first-round NBA picks over the guys that have gelled together and played for multiple years and had the experience to deal with complex situations such that they probably wouldn't have the kind of performance that Kentucky did down the stretch if you had a couple of more veterans. Um, and so I don't. I think that's part and parcel of what allows him to be successful every year is he's choosing talent over experience. So you can't then allow a Kentucky fan to sit back and say, well, you know, the, he, every year they're not experienced enough. Well, that's the downside of going one and done every year. And by the way, I think one and done, if you look around the, uh, the NBA, I've been making this argument for a long time. I think the rule that should exist in college basketball in the NBA is that it should be just like baseball. I think if you want to revitalize, I said this a couple of weeks ago if you were listening, if you want to revitalize college basketball and make people care again, I think the way you could do it is you say, look, you want to go pro at 18 just like you do in baseball. That's fine. You go sign a contract, you go pro at 18. If you want to go to college basketball, then you go for three years and you're obligated to play for three years before you can go pro again. I think that should be the rule just about in every single sport. But I think certainly in college basketball, it would make a tremendous difference because there are a lot of you watching right now uh, the NCAA tournament and listening to this show right now who frankly just don't want to have to relearn every good player in the NCAA tournament every year. You don't feel like you have a relationship with these guys. And I think probably there's a lot of Kentucky fans that say the same thing. Look, yes, look, was it uh, was it a lot of fun when John Calipari won the title and has he been somewhat successful? But if I had to compare John Calipari to Rick Pitino, selfishly, I liked the Rick Pitino years better because you got an opportunity to age with the players. You got to know them a little bit as opposed to guys showing up on campus for six months and they're gone. So I, I think that's I think that's the challenging aspect. And I, again, I want to get the numbers on NCAA. People say, "Oh, well, I mean, find somebody who's done better in the in, in the NCAA tournament over the last six or seven years or eight years." The answer is, I don't think there's that many people who've done better. Although Duke has won a couple of national championships during this period, but you guys have had some insane numbers, like forty or thirty-five NBA first-round draft picks. The next closest, I think, is about half that many. John Calipari has had infinitely better talent than everybody else, and he really hasn't done that much better in the grand scheme of things than Tubby Smith did. Kentucky's a great job in basketball. I think John Calipari won the NCAA tournament title. Not that good. I think he has, given the amount of talent that he's had, I think he's underachieved. That's the big question. Do you think that in general? Instead of, like, just straight up, has he underachieved? If I told you that he was going to have all these guys, would you expect more than one NCAA tournament title? Absolutely. No question. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm curious. 877-996-6369. Uh, we'll open up the phone lines. Again, if you guys want to give us a call, 877-996-6369. And look, I, I do think that Kentucky this year got screwed in the south, south bracket. I think when you break down this bracket, the fact that Kentucky got Wichita State in the second round, 
uh, who I think is a top 15 caliber team, the fact that Kentucky got UCLA and Lonzo Ball and dominated, and that was a really exciting game to watch late Friday night. A lot of you, I'm sure, stayed up and watched that. Uh, Lonzo Ball exposed, I thought, to a large extent by De'Aaron Fox, and uh, I'm not sure exactly what his NBA career is going to be, but obviously LeVar Ball's not shutting up. And then Kentucky gets UNC, and if they hadn't had the upset, they would have gotten Kansas all before they got to the title game. You compare that with anybody on the other side of the brackets route, and it was infinitely easier. I mean, just so much easier. So, look, there are some vagaries you can't control. Sometimes you get a good break. Sometimes you get a bad break. And I think Kentucky against UNC was the NCAA championship. I think the winner of that game, and it was UNC, was going to win the championship. And I believe that UNC will beat Oregon, and then I think they'll beat Gonzaga. So that would be my expectation for what the title looks like. But I want your feedback. 877-996-6369. I'm Clay Travis. You're listening to OutKick. And what does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to Geico.com 15 minutes ago. Going to be joined by Doug Gottlieb at the bottom of the hour. We'll break down the NCAA tournament. We'll also talk about what seems very likely the loss, uh, the once one time erstwhile Los Angeles Raiders, LA Raiders, then became the Oakland Raiders, bounced back a couple for a few times. It looks like they're going to become the Vegas Raiders. We will also talk more about Lonzo Ball and I'll tell you about the people that I murdered over the weekend, and they run a site called Awful Announcing. We're going to dive into that and more, but your call's next, 877-996-6369. I'm Clay Travis. You are listening to Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. Introducing new Duralast GT brake pads, proven tough from the tracks to the streets, because when you need to go fast, sometimes you need to stop even faster, get in the zone, auto zone. One of the interesting things about John Calipari as well, as we dive into the Final Four, UNC with a big win over Kentucky, I think they won the national championship on Sunday night. Fantastic, scintillating game. Let me go ahead and play you the audio from North Carolina. This is what it sounded like as they won the championship. Six seconds to go. Pinson comes front court. Pinson to May for the win. Got it. Luke May. He got it. Three-tenths of a second. Luke (laughs) May gives Carolina the 75-73 lead. Are you kidding me? It wasn't Christian Leitner, but it was eerily similar in some respects to Christian Leitner because you had that situation uh, where it's a regional final where Kentucky and Monk had just drained a ridiculous three. Now, unlike, I believe it was the Sean Woods kind of running one-hander that he banked in that gave Kentucky a one-point lead in that situation, they weren't uh, the exact same because obviously you had the Grant Hill pass. And by the way, we'll have Grant Hill on the show tomorrow to break down everything that has happened so far in the NCAA tournament and also to tell us what he thinks about the upcoming Final Four. You had the pass to Christian Leitner, and then you had the the fake one way, spin the other way, the shot. And so they went from having the lead to losing. But in terms of the swing of emotions, I believe it was a seven-point game with about 50 seconds to play. And uh, then Kentucky got hot. Made three threes. You had the five-second violation, which was a big, uh, egregious error. And uh, it looked like that they were going to give that game away. But in the final six seconds, I think you can criticize Coach Cal a little bit 
for not taking a timeout immediately after the Monk three-pointer because then he could have gotten his defense set and everything else. And, and you got to give a little bit of credit in the situation that we have seen time after time after time in the NCAA tournament this, so far this year. Everybody tries to play hero ball. Roy Williams did not take a timeout. His team was well coached enough to try to get to the basket, and then they kick it out, and they get the the jumper that's wide open that he probably hits. I mean, that's a great look given the scramble situation there. That's a shot, what, that probably gets hit at least 50% of the time in that scenario. And so given how many awful shots we've seen develop in this tournament, I talked about it on Friday's show. Everybody tries to play Steph Curry hero ball, and I thought that the in-game situations for most teams so far in the tournament have been pretty egregiously bad. Instead, you end up with a great look for UNC. Roy Williams does not take a timeout. Again, I think in the frenzy of that moment situation in retrospect, that it would have been smarter for Coach Cal to have taken a timeout to get his defense set, to let everybody know exactly who their man is because there was a scramble and there was a mess. And uh, Jason Martin, I think this is kind of fascinating. You've been doing the research on how many people have been drafted first-rounders in the NBA. And you've got those numbers, I believe, in front of us right now. So, so far, not counting the guys that are going to be on this year's team. And there's going to be another, whatever it is, four or five, maybe more first-rounders come off of this year's team. So far, Coach Cal's had 21 guys drafted in the first round and 29 overall since he got to Kentucky, I believe, is a number. 28 since he's gotten to Kentucky, 21 first-rounders. And just to compare, Duke and Carolina are second, at least based on what I've found, with 14 total draftees since 2009. So we're talking about seven more first-rounders from Kentucky than Duke and Carolina have put into the league in either round, which is pretty amazing. Double the number of draft picks, double the number of NBA players of any other program in the country during the time that John Calipari has been in Kentucky. Yes. Ultimately, obviously, everything is a function of talent. The fact that Duke and UNC combined – have had the same number of draft picks as John Calipari over the time that he is at Kentucky is, again, I think evidence of the fact that John Calipari has underachieved relative to what expectations would be when you look. I mean, there's no other comparison. I'm going to get into the Nick Saban versus John Calipari argument because some Kentucky fans are like, oh, John Calipari is just like Nick Saban. There's no comparison. Nick Saban dwarfs John Calipari in, comes, in terms of achievements. This is interesting. Good work by Jason Martin here. Duke. So Kentucky's had 28 draft picks since John Calipari got to Kentucky. That's not counting this year's draft picks, okay? Duke and UNC have each had 14. Kansas has had 13. UConn has had 11. Arizona has had 10. Florida has had 6. And UCLA has had 10. That kind of puts into perspective the amount of talent that John Calipari has had at Kentucky. He has had twice as many NBA draft picks as any other team since he got to Kentucky. Twice as many. If talent dictates, that's a hell of a stat. He's had the same number of draft picks since he got to Kentucky as Duke and UNC combined. How many titles do you think Duke and UNC would have won if all 28 of those players had gone to, let's say, Coach K? What if Coach K had gotten all 28 of the NBA players that have gone to Duke and UNC? 
Coach K's already won one more title than John Calipari. What would he have done if he had had twice the number of NBA players that he currently had? He's already won one more title. Would he have won four? I don't think that's a ridiculous proposition. At least. I, 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 my, my first number was five. Because I, mean, I, I think that would Coach be, K's that good. That would be Nick Saban-esque. That's kind of my argument, right? That, that, if, that it's, it's, if, if you gave at Duke Coach K twice as many NBA players as he's had, the John Calipari teams, how many titles would he have won? There's no way he'd be sitting at one. And Coach K's a great coach. Here's another fun question. If you gave him to Greg Marshall at Wichita State, if you gave Greg Marshall the 28 NBA players that John Calipari has had, how many titles would Greg Marshall have won? Again, that number is pretty wild when you think about it. Kentucky, 28 draft picks, and that's not counting this year. Duke and UNC are the second most during that tenure, 14 draft picks each. Kansas with 13, UConn with 11, Arizona with 10. People are like, why aren't Sean Miller? Like, why don't you criticize Sean Miller over not going to the Final Four? Well, he's had a third of the NBA draft picks. Third of the NBA draft picks, Coach Cal. Florida, six. You know what Billy Donovan did? And he had six NBA draft picks compared to John Calipari's 28. UCLA with 10. Uh, I believe we are going to go to Doug Gottlieb. Let me go ahead and also get you guys to load up the phone lines. I will go to you. Apologies for not going to you guys yet. 877-996-6369. But first, let's find out uh, what's trending now. Welcome back. Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by GEICO. Easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with GEICO. Go to GEICO.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. We've got Doug Gottlieb at Gottlieb Show rolling in with us here. And the first question I'm going to ask you, Doug, is, is it fair to to question John Calipari's uh, status, given the fact that he's got one title in eight years and he's had 28 NBA draft picks. That's twice what Duke has had at 14. That's twice what UNC has had at 14. Has he underachieved given that? Um, I don't think so. I mean, to be, it, is it fair? It's absolutely fair. But, I mean, it's not like the Bill Self question. Like, it's not like they're getting bounced in the first round, you know? Like, they lost in an epic game against North Carolina where uh, they hit a three to tie and then give up a bucket. I mean, and that's just last night. Um, you know, he lost a couple times in Final Fours. Dude, it's hard to win a national title. It just is. And remember, as much as he has a future talent, you know, you're dealing the men against boys a little bit and that he has the younger kids, he doesn't, you know, sometimes it doesn't allow them to matriculate. They had the one down year with the NIT where they lost to Bobby Moe to Robert Morris. Um, it's fair, but, I mean, I think those of us who are realists realize, like, they're dominating the SEC, and uh, they're in position most years, and you just kind of got to get the magical mix. And um, so, I mean, I don't think he's massively underachieved. My question is always, do players develop? Do they get better while they're there? And I think this year they did a better job of developing guys than maybe they have in years past. Was UNC Kentucky the national title game? Oh boy, it sure felt like it, didn't it? Yes. I mean, you know, that's that's the whole thing is we're supposed to pretend like you know all these other teams matter, but those two that was just such a such a high level game, and um, you know it's one of those deals where like history won't remember the fact that Gonzaga got a one seed and then. 
survive the second round, survive West Virginia, and then got an 11 seed. But it's like, how do you compare their road with, uh, you know, with, with for example, with North Carolina, or even what Kentucky had to do with UCLA and then and then North Carolina? Um, it sure felt that way. A lot of times that game is in the. I thought the national semifinal, if it was between Kansas and Carolina or Kansas and Kentucky, that would be the national championship game. It sure felt like it. I'll point out, though, that, look, Oregon was a preseason top-10 team, and they're a really hard matchup, and I'm not sure. Uh, I don't know if they can rebound with North Carolina, but I'm not sure how North Carolina matches up with them. So I think they got a shot. I think Gonzaga's a legitimate, good, solid team. They could beat them. Um, the South Carolina thing's amazing, but I, I don't see that. I don't see them winning two more games. So it, it sure felt like last night was the night where you're like, oh, okay, that's who's going to win it. Should Calipari, let's put the, the, the on put you on the sideline. Should yeah. John Calipari have taken a timeout right after the Monk three that tied the game, or is that a disadvantage? I mean, I'm kind of curious because you balance it out, right? Defense? If you take the timeout, you get UNC a time to draw up a play, let them get set. Roy Williams just let them go, and to their credit, UNC got a really good shot compared to everything else that we've typically seen in end-of-game situations. What's the play there as a coach on the sideline? Uh, look, there, there are coaches, you know, Ben Howland's, uh and Jamie Dixon and some others are a set-the-defense guy. Um, and, and frankly, you know, frankly, it's a, it's a, it's a great idea in that particular – because it's because of the scramble. Um, what happened you – know, like, look, what happened there was, you know, they got, they got crossed up and they didn't need to help off of Luke May, and they did. What's the white shooter? I can't remember his name from, from Kentucky. I mean, he's terrible defensively all, all day. You would have you would have taken him you would have taken him out of the game, um, Willis. So, huh? You would have taken Willis out of the game. Yeah, Derek Willis got lost, yeah. and he helped when he didn't need the help. And uh, so Briscoe then tried at the last second to to cover his man with Luke May, and Luke May hit it. And what you'd probably do there is you'd call timeout, you'd set up a three quarter court pressure, you try and keep him in front, and uh, and hope you didn't foul. Um, and by the way, I mean like look, foul foul trouble affected that game. Uh, as much as as much as anything, I mean, you know, everybody was in foul trouble in the first half, and it just made for an awful watch. And that you know that's uh, he, you know here we go again with 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 officials being as big a part of the story as anything. But yeah, look, it's a it's a great idea. And the thing is, you had to know that Roy Williams is not calling timeout. He never calls timeout. So you you know, look, you do it. You set up a one, two, two, three quarter court pressure. You keep people in front, and you try and make a mega shot over the top. Um, but then again, like again, in, in your mind, what you're saying is correct, which is how many times do we have to see a team with the ball at the end of a game and, and they get some ridiculous, terrible three pointer to which you're like, Oh, well, why didn't they call timeout and run a play? Yeah. You're damned. If you do, you're damned. If you don't a little bit, I just given that situation and the way it worked yeah, out, it's hard not to go back in retrospect and say, take the time out there, Cal, get your guys set up. So you're not in a scramble situation. And like you said, get Willis out of the game. So your best defensive five are on the floor. It's, you're, you're absolutely right. It's funny because cause that approach is one that it's, it's like people will say, hey, don't call timeout because it lets the defense get itself set. So why wouldn't the defense allow itself to get itself set? So I, I honestly think this is one of the if – the, if you want to get to the flaw of John Calipari, you could say that the flaw of John Calipari is – in-game stuff like that, he's not terribly efficient. A couple years ago in the national championship game, uh, he screwed up when they won the foul, when they lost to Wisconsin. I think it was, I think it was uh, 
to Wisconsin when they lost. They um, lost two years ago in the Final Four to Wisconsin when they had the perfect season going. And the year before the that, before they that? lost to UConn in the title yeah. game, right? It's when they lost to UConn in the title game. The last minute or so was totally butchered in terms of when they called timeout and when they fouled based upon um, based upon time, score, and understanding the shot clock. I, I was sitting there actually with one of my daughters, my daughter, and we were watching the end of the South Carolina-Florida game, and I was explaining her the math to why Florida was fouling and how you want to extend the game. And I was like, look, it's one of those things to where, you know, coaches sometimes get caught up in yelling and screaming and pointing things out. Instead, you have to have either the math in your head and understand exactly what you want to do, or you have to have somebody next to you who's tugging at your shirt telling you what you want to do. Um, I thought Mike White understood the math to it. I thought John Calipari kind of never has. And so, like, if you want to be critical of him, there's the place to be critical. Because uh, I actually thought they ran good offense this year. I thought their player, I thought the freshman got better. I thought he used some of those older guys because they can make shots. And they're solid. I mean, that's how they survived the first half. Like, a lot of that thing is, those things are good. That's the thing. There's, so, there's no – like, Roy Williams is a very, very good coach. But he's not like an adjustment guy, right? Like, he's not – he kind of does what he does and allows you to adjust. And just they run mo- – now, one thing he did last night, which he doesn't normally do in terms of adjustment, they ran delay game. So they had the they had a lead late and they ran like motion and they waited till ten seconds in the shot clock. They were in a high ball screen instead of just playing. Whereas in years past, Roy Roy might have run delay game and then run one of the set plays. And the problem with the set plays is that they've run the same ones for like twenty years, so everybody knows them and they don't work. So I thought I thought Roy had actually made some in game adjustments there or had a good game plan for how to play with the lead. And you know, look, Cal they finally got the bottom league monkey threw a couple in. But what you're pointing out is the flaw to John Calipari, which is some of that in-game stuff, especially considering coaching the NBA, and the NBA is so many more possessions. It's so much more coaching than anybody will ever know. I think there's always been – that's been the flaw to Cal. We're talking to Doug Gottlieb at Gottlieb Show. He will be the new East Coast 3-6 to Eastern host on Fox Sports Radio coming on after Colin Cowherd. we got a home run lineup now, me – to Dan Patrick, to Colin Cowherd, to Doug Gottlieb. So go ahead and download the Fox Sports Radio uh, app. Listen along in, uh, at iHeart. Okay, you know Mark Few pretty well. How yeah. Im- how excited are you for him? How impressive has Gonzaga's run been? What would it mean to win a national championship there for the larger college basketball universe? Um, look, I, this has like been 20 years in the making, right? Um, Gonzaga's just, he's, he's different, man. Like I honestly, he, 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 it's a weird deal to where like he's lost games in the past and I've called him and he's fly fishing. I'm like, why aren't you mad? Why aren't you like, you know? Uh, and, and it's not that he's not competitive, but he definitely has really good perspective. If they want it though, I, I think it'd be incredible because they're the ultimate mid-major, right? They're the, and, and, and people have turned mid-major into bad word in a, into a bad word. But, like, that's kind of what they are. Like, they do not have some ridiculous Power 5 budget. They're in Spokane, Washington. They're still in the WCC. They have a beautiful gym, but it seats, you know, five, 6,000 people. It's, it's, you know, it's not – they're a powerhouse, but not in the classic powerhouse sense. And so I think it would be a story that's unique to college basketball. What you can't do in college football, like, you can't be consistently competitive at Boise State. Boise State has had runs where they could, they could beat an Oklahoma in a Fiesta Bowl. Um, but, but they're, you know, they can't, they can't line up and beat Alabama 
in a in a bowl game, right? And they can't cons- for twenty years be a consistent threat. That's the difference in college basketball and college football. And that really, that actually, if you go back to the start of our conversation, Clay, that's why I don't think you could be as hypercritical about John Calipari because look at what Gonzaga's throwing out there. Shemek Karnowski, I mean, who looks like you know he looks like a mountain man, right? With that huge, he's, he's we should call him Big Foreign Country. That should be his nickname. Yeah. Um, anyway. Like, he's a fifth-year senior. Jordan Matthews is a transfer senior. Uh, Nigel Williams-Goss Williams is a fourth-year junior because he transferred in. Jonathan Williams is, I, I think, a fourth-year junior because he transferred in. But the point is, like, you're throwing out there a 22-, 23-year-old dude, and you're going against 18-, 19-year-old guy. So that gives them a prohibitive advantage. It's like the old BYU advantage, right, where once a guy gets done playing, his kid comes in the next year as a freshman. So I, I do think they've, you know, they've, they've nailed the this is what college basketball is about. Uh, they're not about cheating. Uh, they're not as much about flash. They do play as a team. Like, I think it's great, but I think the thing that's weird about with Mark Few, like, I, he'd love it and it'd be awesome, but he's, he honestly has this kind of unique grasp on having the, the proper perspective to where it hasn't eaten him alive that he hasn't gotten there. And it was kind of a formality that eventually they would. How disappointed are you didn't get the Oklahoma State job? Uh, I was pretty bummed. I, I, was, I think I was more bummed with the way it went down. So how did you find yeah. out? How did you find out that you weren't going to get it? Did news break and you saw it on Twitter? No, you the saw athletic it? Direct, no, the athletic director, Mike Holder, called me. So but, when you but, get but the I mean, call, you know, are you like, thinking that you might get, like you see the area code pop up and your first thought is what? I thought I was getting the job. I mean, that, I mean, and there's been so many people out there regardless of – who they what who they are what they do for a living you do an interview and you're sitting there beside your phone and you're just waiting you're like I don't want to miss this call right like you're doing whatever you can you see the area code pop up and you think okay this is this is going to be the job you're ecstatic obviously to pick up the phone yeah uh you know I was I was I was I was pretty excited and um and I also when I I I would say I was I was disappointed at that moment but I was maybe more disappointed when he told me, look, the only reason you're not getting this job is because you haven't coached before, which I just I, – I can't, I can't wrap my head around uh, how short-sighted of you that is and about how that's so uneducated in the world of, of basketball. But then I, I thought – I thought like somebody big was getting it. Like I can't compare my resume with Tom Crean. Right? I thought, you know, Tom Crean or Tim Jankovic or anybody who had been rumored, like I just – that comp- – you know, like what am I going to do? I thought I'd be better for the job than those guys because I fit that place. But I, you know, and so, like, look, I wish Mike Boynton well, but I've never actually met him, and I've covered Oklahoma State games. And I, I just, I, that one, so that, that's the part that I was like, wow, that one, that one stung a little bit. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, look, it's a, it's a great, to me, it was a great experience, and I, I, had, I had the support of Fox Sports, both TV and radio. Those guys are awesome. They're like, dude, go get that job. I was like, well, you know, I haven't worked for you. Like, so what? You can always come back and work here. And um, so that was great. I mean, I had thousands of people emailing Mike Holder. I had, you know, tens of coaches calling him, telling him to do this, that it was the right thing. And he, you know, whoever was the people on that committee chose to, to go a different direction. That, that's fine. Uh, but, yeah, I was like, dude, it's like, it's like I was just saying about Mark Q. Like, I'm competitive, you know. Like, I'm up for something. Like, I want it. And sometimes I, I wanted it because it's my school and I, had a, and I wanted to bring back all the alums and, and play the way we like to play and, and fill up that gym, but I also wanted it because I'm a competitor. I want to win, and uh, that was part of my spiel, which is we can compete every day. So now we'll just 
look, Clay, we'll just compete every day. We'll, me and you will book in Dan and, and Colin, and we'll kick everybody's ass on radio instead. We'll have the best lineup, and I'm not kidding about this. It'll be the best national sports talk radio lineup in the history of the medium. And I don't even think there's a close second. Yeah, and I think the other thing is it's, it's, uh, it's, all, it's very diverse, right? Like, you do your thing, that's different than Dan doing his thing, that's different than Colin doing his thing, and me doing my thing, like, right? It doesn't all... Um, Sound you know, the exact same. I've worked at another place to where they, that they try and have every reset, every read, every interview the same. I don't think that's... I think you have unique personalities, and you have bosses that understand that and want to foster the growth there, those personalities. So it's going to be... It's going to be awesome. Uh, but, yeah, to answer your question, I, that's funny. I, I, I got the phone. I saw Mike Holder's name, and I was like, dude, I'm getting this. And then – and God bless him, you know, after a little small talk, he told me, you're not getting this. So I was like, Ugh. So a little bit a little gut punch, but, hey, everybody needs that every now and again, right? Outstanding stuff, indeed. We're excited to have you, and uh, appreciate the time. You'll be on Dan Patrick later today. You can hear uh, Doug there at Gottlieb Show on Twitter, and you're going to be able to hear him starting in April here on Fox Sports Radio. I'm Clay Travis, and what do I always tell you? Don't get hit by a train. Really, this is my life. I get to tell you guys, don't get hit by a train, because if you think a train will stop if it sees your car on the tracks, you're right, it will. About a mile after it hits you, stop. Trains can't. This is OutKick on Fox Sports Radio. Time for the Geico play of the day. Uh, I called yesterday's regional final between Kentucky and North Carolina the de facto national championship game. Only one team could advance, and both had opportunities late. But after Malik Monk tied it with a really difficult three, Luke May broke wildcard. Wildcat hearts all across the country. Seven seconds to go. Here comes Pinson down the center of the floor. Pinson penetrates. Hands to May. 18-footer. Good! With three-tenths of a second to go. Yes. Luke May from just inside the left arc. That call, courtesy Westwood One, North Carolina moves on to play Oregon. That was a fantastic game, a fantastic win, and North Carolina now two games away from a seventh national title. That's your play of the day, presented by Geico. Easy to save fifteen percent or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to Geico.com or call eight hundred nine four seven Auto. The only hard part: figuring out which way is easier we just had Doug Gottlieb on and I think Doug's gonna be really good um, on our show uh, as a guest obviously that's why I have him on but I think he's gonna be really good in the afternoon with his show from three to six eastern and the lineup that our bosses have put together now uh, from me to Dan Patrick to Colin Cowherd to Doug Gottlieb and on look there's lots of talented people all across the day but from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., that's the, the main work day, that's a pretty incredible lineup. And I think Doug hit on it. Everybody sounds a little bit different, and everybody's show has a different flavor, but what you're getting is unvarnished opinion. And I thought Doug answering the question there, what's it like? I mean, he really wanted that Oklahoma State head coaching job. And when your phone rings and you look down on it, I bet every single person out there just about – has been in a situation where you're waiting for a phone call and hoping that you're going to get a job that you really want. And sometimes that happens for you, and sometimes it doesn't, whether you're trying to get a coaching job or whether you're trying to get promoted or whether you're trying to get any kind of job. And I was a really honest answer from Doug Gottlieb. He thought he was going to get the job. I mean, Jason Martin, I'm sure you've been there. Phone rings. You look at the area code. You're like, oh, boy, this is a big call. And uh, sometimes it goes your ways. Other times it doesn't. And you got to just keep rolling on. Yeah, and it's good to be Doug Gottlieb in that situation because as hard as that was, 
It's a pretty good fallback plan because obviously he's been great in the media for a while. We're super excited to have him join the Fox Sports team here on FSR. Uh, so, you know, at least he didn't have nowhere to go. Like this, he, Either way, he was going to be good. I know that's a job that he wants. He's told us that a couple of different times when he's been on the show. But uh, I guess selfishly, I'm happy because I know what Doug Gottlieb means to our brand. And he's obviously been a really good friend of our show since the very beginning and couldn't be more excited to have him as part of the team. No doubt. No doubt at all. All right, I said I'm going to go to the calls. I haven't gone to any calls yet. I'm going to do it in an hour or two. So I want you guys to load up 877-996-6369. The question that we have had out there is, given the NBA talent he has every year, and Kentucky has had twice as many players drafted as everybody else in college basketball during John Calipari's tenure, 28 players drafted to 14 for UNC to 14 for Duke, has John Calipari underachieved at Kentucky? 11,000 of you have voted. 62% of you so far are saying yes. want to take your calls on that question and more. I'm also going to dive into Nick Saban compared to John Calipari and tell you why that is such a ridiculous comparison. Saban is so much better than Cal. There is no comparison whatsoever. That and more, your calls, 877-996-6369. I am Clay Travis. You are listening to Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back. Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit GEICO.com for a free rate quote. John Calipari loses to Roy Williams. It looks like UNC has a good shot, very good shot, at their seventh national title. John Calipari now has been at the University of Kentucky for eight seasons, has had twice as many players drafted into the NBA as any other program. Putting it into perspective, number two and three on that list, Duke and North Carolina combined have had the same amount of players drafted into the NBA as John Calipari. 28 for John Calipari, 14 each for Duke and North Carolina over the eight years that John Calipari has been at Kentucky. I think a big question that's out there is this one that a lot of you are agreeing with me on. Given the NBA talent he has had every year, has John Calipari underachieved to only have one national title at Kentucky? He's had the best players every year. 62% of you say yes with over 12,000 of you voting. You can go vote in that poll if you would like to on uh, my Twitter feed at Clay Travis. Okay, I also want to dive into this uh, secondary question. A lot of attention being given to the fact that the Southeastern Conference, erstwhile also ran as a college basketball conference, put three teams into the Elite Eight, narrowly missed sending two teams to the Final Four. And people are saying, wow, this is a big surprise. Do we ever see this coming? Frank Martin, I think the best story of the NCAA tournament so far. Guy, he's a former bouncer down in Miami, fights his way to the head coaching job at Kansas State, leaves with issues with his athletic director, takes over at South Carolina. First four years does not go to the NCAA tournament, although in his fourth year they do win 25 games. This year, he kicks the door down, gets that game in Greenville because of the transgender bathroom bill that causes Greensboro, North Carolina to lose those uh, lose those games. In their second game, in the second half, South Carolina just goes on, gets on fire, plays one of the best halves of basketball in the history of the NCAA tournament, certainly in the context of, uh, of, of basketball. If you score more points in a half than Coach K has ever given up, 
That, my friends, a really good half. Gets everybody fired up. Has a tremendous home court advantage. That game yesterday in Madison Square Garden, scintillating, exciting, unbelievable if you're a Gamecock fan because I think South Carolina has one of the best fan bases in all of college sports. They have consistently not been very good in football. In fact, this is a mind-blowing stat. South Carolina didn't win their first bowl game in college football until 1995. In the history of the program, this is a real stat, South Carolina did not win a college football bowl game until 1995. Now, Steve Spurrier got hired there. Everything changed, and they've been on a roll comparatively ever since, basically, the moment that he was hired. But that's a pretty extraordinary statistic there. And in basketball, they had not won an NCAA tournament game since 1973. Nearly, whatever the math is on that, 40 years, over 40 years, over 40 years of futility in the NCAA tournament. And then finally they make this run. So I feel good for South Carolina fans. I hope you guys are still smiling from yesterday's game. You deserve it. This is a fan base that has not had a lot of great success. I know they had some success in the NCAA uh, college baseball, but I don't really count baseball as the same level as basketball and football. So you look at the two big sports in college, basketball and football, and South Carolina had been a desert wasteland of success. So you have to feel good about what they were able to accomplish. But a lot of people are saying, wow, the SEC, maybe maybe they're on the rise in basketball. And I say, yeah, of course they are. The SEC basketball coaches are fantastic now. And ultimately, the NCAA tournament success is rooted primarily in your coach. Now, and part of that's recruiting. Your coach has to be able to go out and get good players. Compare right now, the quality of SEC basketball coaches compared to the quality of SEC football coaches. In basketball right now, I think you can legitimately say there isn't a single bad coach across the board in the SEC when it comes to basketball. I think you can even make an argument that right now the SEC has the best basketball coaches in the country in terms of guys that are proven. Who would you even say is the worst? Like you start to run through them. Frank Martin at South Carolina. Okay, he just took his team to the Final Four. Mike White down at Florida had his team on the precipice of the Final Four. He's going to be really, really good. Will Wade at LSU seems like a pretty good hire relative to what he's accomplished at VCU. Now, you can say if you want to be a negative, uh, negative Nancy here, well, look at what happened with the other VCU coaches who've left. Shaka Smart hasn't been great at Texas so far. Obviously, Anthony Grant was never great at Alabama. That's, that's fair. Look in the state of Alabama. Bruce Pearl went to six straight NCAA tournaments with Tennessee. He may be the, 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 the Frank Martin of the SEC right now, where it took him a little bit of time to get everything stabilized at Auburn. He's been there three years. They've gotten a little bit better every year. Maybe year four is where they take a real step. I believe in Bruce Pearl. I think you look at what he did. He took Tennessee to the Elite Eight, a couple of Sweet 16s. Bruce Pearl's for real. Alabama, Avery Johnson, really, really good coach. They should be a top 20 team Next year, they're going to make the NCAA tournament. Billy Kennedy, been very good for Texas A&M. Took them to uh, Sweet 16, I believe, last year. Uh, right up there competing for SEC championships. Very good hire for Texas A&M. Arkansas, Mike Anderson. Uh, okay, I didn't love the last three minutes of offense against UNC when they had the Tar Heels on the ropes, much like Kentucky did. Both those teams up late. When UNC went on an incredible scoring run, ratcheted up the defense, both Arkansas and Kentucky eliminated by UNC just taking their game to another level. 
But Mike Anderson, given his history, given his success rate, very good. Conzo Martin. I'm not a huge Conzo Martin fan, but he just got the number one overall recruit in the nation. He uh, took Tennessee to the Sweet 16. He had a four seed at Cal in his second year at Cal. He's not going to be a disaster. I think he's overrated. I think he's overpaid, but he's not going to be a disaster at Missouri. He's certainly much better than what they had. Obviously, Cal at Kentucky, I'm criticizing him here over lack of national championships. That's a sign that you're doing pretty well, right? I think Bryce Drew at Vanderbilt is going to do very, very well. I think he can have Vanderbilt as a consistent top 25 team. Rick Barnes at Tennessee, I think, is going to do very well, and he's certainly done very well over the course of his tenure. Mark Fox, I think, has done decently, given the possibilities and situation that he inherited at Georgia, where they've never been great. I think he's done pretty well. And then you look at the state of Mississippi, Andy Kennedy historically has done about as well as somebody can do at Ole Miss. And obviously, Ben Howland is a hell of a hire for Mississippi State. I just went around, I think, all 14 of the coaches in the Southeastern Conference. If I left somebody out, it wasn't intentional. I'm just trying to do it geographically. Where's the weak link there? Jason Martin, who is the worst basketball coach in the SEC right now? Hmm. It's a know. tough those question, are, right? Yeah, I mean, all 14 really of those guys I just named, I think the SEC now has the best coaches in college basketball top to bottom. I don't really see a weak link. Now, you can point to Will Wade and say he hasn't done it at LSU. He's certainly much better than Johnny Jones. You can point to him and say he hasn't done it at LSU. I think you can point to Mark Fox and say he's been there a long time and he hasn't necessarily been great at Georgia. But those are pretty decent coaches. I mean, Mark Fox had a great run at Nevada before he got to Georgia. And Will Wade right now on paper looks like a fantastic hire for LSU, which is historically a really good basketball program that has fallen on hard times. But you look at those, I mean, you know, LSU was in the Final Four, what, a decade ago? You look at what they've been historically with Pistol Pete and Shaquille O'Neal and Chris Jackson and all the different talent that has rolled through down on the bayou. I think that's a really good job. I don't know that there's a bad coach. I mean, and right now, if you said who is the worst coach in SEC basketball, I guess you probably have to go Will Wade. I think you probably do just because he hasn't coached outside of VCU, and everybody at VCC, VCU seems to do pretty well. But think about football. If I told you right now, okay, your coach is getting fired in the SEC. I just named all 14 coaches. And you have to go hire another guy in the conference. You'd be like, okay, there's a lot of guys that I would go look out. Kentucky's the best job in the SEC. If John Calipari suddenly left for the NBA, and I said to Kentucky fans, okay, you guys have to go pull a guy out of the SEC right now to take over as your next coach. There'd be a ton of guys that you could point to that would win at a high level at Kentucky. Let's take it to football. Nick Saban, unquestioned number one. I think he's the most dominant coach in all of college sports right now. After Nick Saban, if he left Alabama and Alabama fans had to hire another coach currently inside the SEC, who do you go get? Is there even a number two? The guys you could talk about are Gus Malzahn, Kevin Sumlin, Dan Mullen. You feel like any of those guys are going to step in at Bama and immediately win at a high level? SEC football is a religion in the South. But SEC football coaching has never been worse. And you put it in comparison right now with SEC basketball, and I would argue that the reason why SEC basketball is so good in terms of coaching right now and why you're starting to see the results 
in terms of having three teams in the Elite Eight for the first time since 1986. You had two teams, Florida and South Carolina, playing for a trip in New York to the Final Four. The reason why it is so good is a couple of things. One, Nick Saban has killed the rest of the SEC because he is so good. Everybody has fired their good coaches in an effort to compete with the great Nick Saban. LSU, Les Miles, most successful coach really ever at LSU, out. Tennessee, other than General Nealon, Phil Fulmer, most successful coach of all time, gone. Other than Vince Dooley, Mark Rick, most successful at Georgia, gone. All three of those guys fired because they can't really keep up with Nick Saban. Urban Meyer has heart palpitations, suddenly bails on the conference. I don't think Urban Meyer would have had heart, heart palpitations and issues if Nick Saban hadn't shown up in Tuscaloosa. That's four really good coaches, three of whom won national championships, all fired. Who have they been replaced by? Well, Tennessee's gone with Lane Kiffin, Derek Dooley, and now Butch Jones. Clearly a downgrade. We'll see whether Kirby Smart's going to be a downgrade at Georgia. I think it's hard to argue that Coach Ed Ogeron isn't an amazing downgrade at LSU. And certainly Florida has downgraded going to Jim McElwain, who broke out, by the way, a ridiculous goatee in the crowd in Madison Square Garden there. And while John Calipari has been good, I don't think he scares people. I think every coach in the SEC says, you know what? I think I can beat Cal. Now, he's been very successful, but I don't think he is intimidating in the same way that the program that Alabama is running is intimidating. And again, we just ran through the numbers. He's only won one national title in eight years there, despite the fact that he's had twice as many NBA players as every other program in college basketball. Nick Saban hasn't had twice as many NFL players by, uh, by far. I'm not even sure that Nick Saban has had the most NFL draft picks during his tenure at Alabama. I would guess that he probably has, but it's by only a couple one way or the other. And if you combine the draft picks that say Urban Myers had at Florida and he's had at Ohio State, I bet Urban Myers had better players than Nick Saban, potentially. Saban's been great. They're going to have a ton of guys drafted this year. But Nick Saban has created a dynasty. At Kentucky, John Calipari's just created a bunch of dudes who come in. They're good, but nobody's scared of them. And you can just sur- surround the coaches and line them up and see the difference there. Okay, I've been promising it for an over an hour. I will now go to your calls. We will discuss everything that you want to discuss and more. 877-996-6369. I am Clay Travis. You are listening to Outkick the Coverage. And let me go ahead and tell you all about my friends at AutoZone. Right now, drive the new Duralast GT brake pads, proven tough from the tracks to the streets, sold only at AutoZone. Get in the zone. AutoZone. I'm Clay Travis. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios, what does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to geico.com 15 minutes ago. I am Clay Travis. You are listening to Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. I want to go ahead and eliminate an idiot like Julius Jones on Twitter who says, gee, I wonder if the fact that the Bama players stay three or four years and Cal's guys leave after one year has anything to do with this, LOL. That's the name of the game, idiot. If you come into college basketball and say you're going to recruit one-and-done players, you're acknowledging that you are recruiting one-and-done players. You can't argue, oh, well, what if DeMarcus Cousins and John Wall 
and Eric Bledsoe had stayed for three years? How much better would they be then? Well, how good would insert coach have been here if he'd gotten LeBron James and he'd come play college basketball for three years instead? You're recruiting these guys. You know they're in for one year, and then they're gone. That's the name of the game. You can't blame inexperience when that is your game plan. When John Calipari decides, I'm going to take talent over experience, that's a very valid decision that he makes. You can't then argue, well, they aren't experienced enough. That's what you're choosing to do. Nobody's making John Calipari take one-and-done players. He could go out and recruit guys who are going to stay for three or four years. They wouldn't be as talented, but they would be more experienced. He would have a team like Wichita State. He would have a team like Gonzaga. And then he would have an opportunity to win. And if he didn't win, you wouldn't be able to argue, well, the players were really experienced, but they weren't talented enough. Well, that's what they've chosen to do. Every coach in America, if you told them right now, would you have liked to have had twice as many NBA draft picks as everybody else in the entire country? They would say, yeah, you know what? I'll take that. I'll take that inexperience. Give me 28 NBA players. And that's not counting. How many guys is he going to have drafted this year, Jason Martin, in the first round? Five? It's probably a pretty good estimate. I'll look. So it's going to get that gap is going to get even more pronounced probably over him and UNC and Duke and everybody else. Like, And who exactly is coming out, you're not sure. But you know, just looking at that roster, that on average he's going to have about five guys drafted. And this year's team has a lot of good, young, one-and-done talent. And so it's hard to argue that John Calipari has done, in my opinion, anything other than underachieve. If you have twice as much talent as everybody else in college basketball – and you've only won one national championship in eight years, that's the definition of underachieving. Nearly 12,000 of you have voted in the poll. You can go find me at Clay Travis on Twitter. You can go vote in that poll. I've pinned it to the top of the page. And 62% of you are agreeing with me. John Calipari has underachieved given the talent that he's had. The question I'm asking is pretty easy. If Coach K had had 28 NBA players over the last eight years, he's won two titles, even though he's had half as much talent, as John Calipari, if he had had twice as much talent as he's had so far, would he have won four titles? I don't think that's a ridiculous proposition. If Coach K had had 28 NBA players instead of 14 over the last eight years, would he have won four national championships instead of two? I don't think that's absurd. Maybe five. Roy Williams is trying to win his second national title in nine years. He's had half the talent that John Calipari's had. Both of those coaches, in theory, outperforming John Calipari when it comes to championships. People say, oh, what about what about Final Fours? Well, you're Kentucky. I thought you played for championships. Not to hang banners up for not winning championships. Let's go to your calls. 877-996-6369. Let's go to Hank in Charlotte. Hank, what's up? Hey, good morning, Clay. Uh, really excited what you guys are doing at Fox Sports Radio. Converted me from Mike and Mike, so congrats. I appreciate that. Thanks. I just want to comment back on the thing you were talking about 10 minutes ago with the SEC football and basketball. Couldn't agree more. Um, just wanted to see what your thoughts were in terms of getting coaches from other conferences or the NFL into the SEC football. Well, it's, you know, you got to go against Nick Saban. So why, why would you go to the SEC? You know, it's kind of a tough thing. 
Yeah, no, I appreciate the call. I think, look, I think there are a lot of coaches in college football who have looked at what Nick Saban has done, and they have made the decision, I will go somewhere to another conference. I think the reason why the ACC has risen up is because you look at the ACC coaching. Bobby Petrino, Jimbo Fisher, and Dabo Sweeney, all three of those guys, the SEC has no comparison to the top three. And that's not even getting into what Virginia Tech's got going on with Justin Fuente. It's not even getting into Larry Fedora at UNC. I think you could make a strong argument right now that the SEC has Nick Saban. Every other conference in America, I think you can name multiple coaches who you would like to have take over your program. In the SEC, I think you can name Nick Saban. And I think you can name after uh, those five guys that I just named in the ACC are not as good as Nick Saban. You can also toss in Mark Rick, by the way, down in Miami. Those six guys are not as good as Nick Saban. But I would take all six of those guys right now, maybe as the next six best coaches if they were coaching in the SEC. Who's the second best coach in the SEC for football? Nick Saban's killed the conference. Maybe Dan Mullen. Maybe Gus Malzahn. Maybe Kevin Sumlin. Would I rather have Bobby Petrino, Jimbo Fisher, and Dabo Sweeney than any of those guys? Yes. Can you make an argument for Larry Fedora, Justin Fuente, or Mark Richt? Yeah, I think you can. I think you can make that argument. I don't think there's any doubt. Let's go to Bobby in Spokane. Bobby, what's up? Congrats on the Zags. Hey, man. How you doing? I'm excellent. Hey, nice to hear from you. Hey, uh, great show. Hey, you know, on the other hand, we need to rename Calipari's, you know, his position. He's a daycare guy. So, you know, that's kind of the way I look at it in the aspect of, you know, he's taking these guys, they're one and done, but I think they only lost because of inexperience. I think if those guys would have been there, they probably would have beat North Carolina. Yeah, all right, you got to drop him. Uh, drop Bobby. You can't argue they lost because of inexperience when you know – that they are coming and only staying for one year. That's what you do when you get one-and-done players. You're choosing talent over experience. You should shoot yourself in the head with a nail gun if you're saying, well, if these guys had stayed for three years, well, guess what? If LeBron James, Tracy McGrady, Kevin Garnett, and Kobe Bryant had gone to college, they would have been really good college basketball players. Instead, they went straight to the NBA. They were really talented. They went straight to the NBA at 18. The guys that John Calipari is is recruiting are expected to be there for one year. So you can't say, oh, well, what if John Wall had stayed for four years? He would have been a really good senior. Yeah, but instead you knew he was going to go pro. Well, what if DeMarcus Cousins had stayed for four years? He would have been really hard to defend in college basketball in his fourth year. Yeah, no crap, but he's going to go pro. You can't call in and make an experience argument. It's a dumb argument. It defeats the entire purpose of of the decision that John Calipari is making. He's choosing talent over experience. That's a valid decision. I would choose talent over experience on some levels too. I think what you can criticize John Calipari about is he might have more national championships if he balanced out his recruiting by taking guys who were going to be there for three or four years with guys who are all going to be one and done. This year, Malik Monk, De'Aaron Fox, definitely gone. Probably Bam too. We'll see what happens with Isaiah Briscoe. Four or five guys going first round. Gone again. Reload. Bring him back in. Next year, do the same topic. Kentucky loses. They have a lot of talent. More than everybody else again. People call in. 
Well, but if those guys stayed multiple years? They aren't staying multiple years, and here's the other thing. If they did stay multiple years, then he would have less talent, right? Because he wouldn't have as many scholarships. So if these guys stay, then he doesn't have the ability to rotate in new players. So he would have less talent. 28 overall draft picks through eight years, not counting the three or four or five that he's going to have this year, twice as many as everybody else in college basketball, and he has only won one national championship. John Calipari, very, very overrated, has underperformed what you would expect given the talent that he's brought in. I'm Clay Travis. You're listening to Outkick the Coverage. Let's go ahead and find out what's trending now. Welcome back. Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by GEICO. Easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with GEICO. Go to GEICO.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. And I'm telling you right now, what do I try to do? I'm the only sports talk radio show host in the nation who's trying to make the world a better place and limit the number of you killed by trains. If you think a train will stop if it sees your car on the tracks, you're right, it will. About a mile after it hits you, stop. Trains can't. There you go. Trying to make your life safer. That's what I do on a day-to-day basis. And in the meantime, I am going to bring in Jason Martin. Is everybody else driven insane by the fact that people just constantly keep saying experience? And that's like the downside of what Cal's doing. You can't make that argument. You can't because he knows he knows going in what he's doing. So it's hard to make that argument. I tried to kind of couch it a little bit at the beginning, but here's one thing I was thinking about. If the one and done were eliminated and they took your rules to make college basketball great again and you had the three-year in rule. My Calipari, rule, by the way, if, if people ahead, haven't yeah. heard, let me go ahead and tell people what that is. My rule to make college basketball great again would be the same as Major League Baseball. You can go pro at 18 if you want to go pro at 18 coming out of coming out of high school. But if you go to college, just like Major League Baseball, you can go into the draft. You can figure out where you're going to get drafted. You can negotiate, figure out what your value is. But if you decide to go to college, you have to stay for, stay for three years. So my belief is pretty straightforward. If you're 18 years old, you should be able to make a living in this country doing anything you want athletically, just like you can in hockey, just like you can in baseball, just like you can in swimming, just like you can in golf. Um, I don't think most football players are ready, but I would allow football players to leave early too, but that's a different story. But in basketball, I would say you either go pro at 18 and never go to college, or you go to a college campus, you sign for three years, and you come out at the age of 20 or 21 ready for the NBA. I think it would make college basketball a lot better. I think your average fan out there would pay more attention if they had more of a connection to the players and they weren't just showing up for six months and then jetting off to the NBA. All right, so let's say that that is the reality. Is John Calipari more or less successful? Is he a top 20 coach at that point? If you really look at it and cross it down, he's nowhere near a Greg Marshall or a Coach K or some of those kind of guys. He loses some of, I don't know, the recruiting advantage that he's had because if you go to Kentucky and you're a five-star kid, you know you can probably go and right to the NBA. If you lose that, then how good is Calipari? And I think that he's probably average as an X's and O's coach. So if you look at that and you look at all of the talent that he's had, I just 
I, I don't know if anybody could come in and do the one and done and bring them all in the way he has, but I would suggest to you that he has definitely underperformed, and the experience argument does get thrown out the window because John Calipari didn't recruit these guys expecting them to be there for three years. He knew what he was getting into when he went and grabbed Fox and Monk and Bam and all of the guys that he's had through the years. I think the question that's easy to ask is if – you gave Coach K twice the NBA talent that he has had. In the last eight years, Coach K has won two national championships with 14 NBA draft picks. If you gave him twice the number of NBA players that he has currently had, how many championships would he have won at Duke? I think you can make an argument that he would have won four or five titles if he had had 28 NBA players over the past eight years. Why am I making that argument? Because he's had 14 and he's won two titles. So if you had gave him 28 over that eight-year period, like John Calipari has had, then I think he would have won twice as many titles as he has now. That would be four titles for Coach K to one for John Calipari. I think it's impossible to argue that John Calipari hasn't underachieved relative to the amount of talent that he's had. Jeff in Indiana, what's up? Hey, Clay, J. Mark. Hey, good talking to you again. Always appreciate the show. I, you know, I just throws my idea out the window. I agree with you with the three-year deal. That makes a whole lot of sense. I was just going to say, if they go for one year, at least make it something, uh, the classes where it's like uh, um, like money management, different type of integrity classes so when they get to that next level that they can go ahead and have a yeah. small mindset of how to handle themselves. Yeah, I and appreciate the call. Also, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, look, it is a sham to go to college for one year because these guys are not even on campus for one year. They show up on campus in August. They start basketball player practice in October. They finish their season sometime, a lot of times in March or the first week in April, and then they're gone. It is a total sham to argue that they are getting any kind of education whatsoever in one year on college campus. If you are fortunate enough to have gone to college and you are listening right now to me, how much actual education did you get in the first six months that you spent on a college campus? And that was probably without playing athletics full-time. Think about what kind of education they're getting in March. Think about the travel schedule. Nobody ever talks about this. Everybody complains about, like, the travel schedule for football. Think about the travel schedule for basketball. You go and play in the middle of the week, so you're traveling and missing multiple days of class every week once the season starts, sometimes as much as a week at a time. You go play, let's say, the SEC basketball tournament or your conference basketball tournament. You are going to a different town. You are there for Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, right? You miss that whole week of class, basically. Then if you make the NCAA tournament, you miss almost the entire next week of class. And then if you advance to the Sweet 16, you miss almost the entire next week of class. And then if you advance to the Final Four, you miss almost the entire next week of class. These guys aren't going to class. They aren't learning that much. That's why the one and done is a sham. I think it's fine if you're 18 and you want to go to the NBA. You have the talent to make a living in the NBA, go for it. We let 18-year-olds in this country sign up for the Marines and send them off to foreign countries and let them walk walk around with machine guns in their hand and get shot at by terrorists. We're fine with letting 18-year-olds do that all over this country. We're not fine with letting 18-year-olds try to shoot basketball for a living. 
I'm all for it. Do whatever you can. Rod in Fort Lauderdale. Rod, what's up? Hey, good morning. Uh, I got a question. Has anybody studied the longevity of the players that uh, Calipari has brought in? In other words, how many of these 28 players has he really been successful with in the NBA? Uh, are these guys going into the NBA and then ended up sitting on the bench, or are they really being successful? I'd be curious about that study. Yeah, you know, Colin Cowherd has talked some about that. Let me circle back around here for a minute. It's a real fallacy of an argument to say that 18-year-olds aren't successful in the NBA because there was an interesting study done comparing guys who went straight from high school to guys who stayed for four years in college. And what they found was that the guys who were coming straight from high school were more successful than the guys who were staying for four years in college and then going into the NBA. Why do you think that is? Because talent mattered more than experience. If you stay four years in college, you're probably not that good of a player. Now, there are exceptions, Tim Duncan's of the world. But by and large, guys didn't stay four years. So if you compared the guys who were 18 and got drafted with the guys who were 22 or 21 and got drafted, the 18-year-olds were outperforming. In terms of what the players have been capable of, well, I mean, look, just had a guy in Devin Booker go out and score 70 points for the Phoenix Suns. But by and large, the guys who have come from Kentucky and gone into the NBA have not been that successful in terms of winning playoff games or winning championships. Now, they've gotten made a lot of money. John Wall, DeMarcus Cousins, Eric Bledsoe, they've made a ton of money. But who is the most successful pro in terms of winning a championship? There aren't very many guys from Kentucky that John Calipari has recruited that have been really successful in the playoffs. Like, who would you point to, Jason Martin, and say, boy, that guy is, without him, the NBA would not be what it is today. Is John Wall maybe the most successful? Probably. I mean, if you look at some the of the The Wizards teams, are a pretty decent team, but they're not exactly contending for championships in the East. Yeah, but they could this year. Maybe. maybe. We'll see. But, I mean, like, yeah, you take away – I mean, they just beat the Cavs. But you take away John Wall from the NBA, I don't think anybody's like, oh, my God, the NBA's nowhere near as good. DeMarcus no success in Sacramento. Hasn't been very successful now with the trade that much, at least so far in New Orleans. If you took away every Kentucky player from the NBA, let's just say you like I snapped my fingers and they were gone. Colin Cowherd's made this argument pretty good, but the NBA wouldn't. It's not like the NBA would lose a step. It's not like the NBA would suddenly be a much worse product. It would just be pretty much the same. Same teams would be good. Same teams would be bad. So your argument out there about who exactly has panned out. Now, you know, talent is rare. I'm not sure you put that on John Calipari's feet. Obviously, where you get drafted matters, the teams, the the organizations that bring you in. But the Kentucky one-and-done guys who have gone into the NBA have not turned into all-star transcendent players around which the league revolves. They've just been okay. More of your calls, 877-996-6369. I'm Clay Travis. You're listening to Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. Enter the AutoZone Rev Up Your Refund instant win game and sweepstakes for a chance to win thirty grand or other prizes. No purchase necessary. Ends 4-17-17. Must be 18+. plus. Visit AutoZone Tax Time. 
AutoZone.com. Get in the zone, AutoZone. Okay, rapid fire. Going to try to run through your calls. I am Clay Travis. Welcome into OutKick. Hope your Monday is going well. Let's go to Kyle in Utah. Kyle, what's up? Hey, how's it going? Excellent. Hey, so, yeah, just thinking about the whole student-athlete thing. Um, I've worked as a a student-athlete tutor just last semester. I mean, these guys are – they're not getting to class. They have lifting, conditioning during the day, and then they're not going to class, and they just come and they bank on their tutors to just cram before their tests. I mean, they're hardly ever there. Yeah, thanks for the call. That's the thing. One and done is a sham if you're talking about it from an educational perspective. And got a good point. I probably should include this because the theory is, according to my guy Corey out here on Twitter, Corey Breeding, he says, it's not an NCAA rule that allows one and done. That's correct. It's the NBA that has killed college basketball. It's an NBA rule that requires one and done. They're the ones who stopped allowing high school kids to go straight into the NBA and ended up with this sham one and done system. Again, my straightforward perspective here is if you're 18 years old, you should be able to go pro. If the teams want to draft you, go pro. Amari Stoudemire, LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, Kevin Garnett, Tracy McGrady, some of the most successful players of that era went straight to the NBA. Zero issues in terms of developing because they're going in and playing basketball. I don't know that this one-and-done system makes any sense whatsoever. It makes a sham of college basketball. And again, my position is that everybody should sit down and the rules should be pretty straightforward. You want to go pro at 18, you can. You get to go into the draft, you get drafted, you sign, you leave. But if you go to college basketball, you have to stay three years. Three years you can get some form of education, you would think. Although if you look at the UNC scandal, who knows? Number of guys who are graduating, graduating in quotation marks, somehow they're pulling it off, and then showing up to take Wonderlick tests in the NFL and they can't read. I think everybody's cheating to keep these guys eligible. Do you see where uh, LeBron James went on a Twitter rant yesterday, uh, last night, and he used the phrase sugar-coated, as in C-O-D-E-D, sugar-coated. It's like an escape goat or a mute point. I mean, I uh, the ability to read and write at a high level is in rare, I think, rare. It's a rare talent when it gets to pro athletics. And these guys, LeBron didn't go to college, but there are a lot of guys who go to college sugar-coated. I read that, and I was like, oh, my God. Did you see that, Jason Martin? Sugar, not sugar-coated, as in C-O-A-T-E-D, like as in you've read anything in your life and understand that when you say that something is sugar-coated, that you mean like, oh, you put sugar on top of it. Like, cereal is sugar-coated if it's made for kids. Not sugar-coated, C-O-D-E-D. It's like you yeah. have never read a book in your life if you make that mistake. Yeah, I saw it. And, you know, I've seen some of LeBron's tweets through the years, and this isn't the first time that this has happened. This was one of the more egregious examples of it. I don't know how much – I mean, you know, that guy was on the front of Sports Illustrated when he was like six years old. It feels like it. So I wonder how much he was even doing in high school in a lot of respects because he cared about basketball. He knew he was going to the NBA. It, I don't know how intelligent he was at that point, but sugar-coated – yeah, that that was pretty bad. That was pretty awful. Maybe one of your posse should be reading your tweets before you send them out. Dylan in Cincinnati. Dylan, what's up? Hey, what's up, Clay? How's life? 
Oh, life's good, man. I just got off work. I uh, recently just switched to uh, Fox Sports instead of uh, ESPN Radio, and I like your guys' coverage a lot better. I well, like that's because we're and, a lot uh, better. Jonas I appreciate Knox. that. Yeah. Uh, no, no problem, man. You guys make my my drive and being at work a little bit more tolerable. So uh, I'm calling because, dude, I totally agree with the uh, one and done BS. Like it doesn't, it, it does, it makes a sham out of the game of college basketball and a sham out of that education, which makes it makes literally no sense at all. Like the NBA is just, you know, got another stupid rule in place. And um, my main thing I called about though was UK players. I agree that they haven't had all of that championship success, but Anthony Davis is a transcendent player. He is a franchise. Yeah, he's the best player. Uh, he, but but if yeah. you but but his team hasn't had success in the NBA. I'm saying in terms of competing for championships this year, John Wall is on the only team that could compete for a championship and have a Kentucky player so far. Anthony Davis is the best player, but New Orleans isn't competing for a championship anytime soon. If you take him out of the league, that the league is not as good. But John Wall is the only guy that's on a team that has a chance to advance and win a playoff series. When I say that they're significant in terms of playoff pursuit, that's what I mean. Anthony Davis is the best player that's ever been there. Um, I'm Clay Travis. You're listening to Outkeep the Coverage. We'll go back to your calls, 996-6369. I'm also going to murder this uh, website awful announcing. You're going to want to get your popcorn. We come back for the next break. I'm Clay Travis. You're listening to Outkeep the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back. Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit GEICO.com for a free rate quote. First two hours in the books. Obviously, uh, what do we got? Uh, 13 still to go. 13 more hours this week. If you miss any of the show and you want to be able to hear it, make sure that you make the smart move and go download it on iTunes. We're also on Stitcher. We're everywhere. You can stream the show on FoxSportsRadio.com. You can listen on iHeart as well. 250 affiliate stations nationwide, plus Sirius XM Channel 83. There really is basically every way under the sun imaginable that you can hear. Show growing rapidly. Appreciate all that you guys do for us. We're reacting to Final Four weekend being set up now. UNC against Oregon, Gonzaga against South Carolina. That is three schools between them that have one Final four appearance, Oregon's with theirs in 1939. Gonzaga, South Carolina, never been before. The Gamecocks, congratulations to all their long-suffering fans. First NCAA tournament win this year since 1973, and now the embarrassment of riches continues. Frank Martin's squad rolling out into Phoenix with a chance to win the national championship. The seven-seed Gamecocks, the biggest underdog to have advanced to the Final Four in a few years. Meanwhile, Gonzaga, they finally kicked the door down, advanced to the Final Four uh, for the first time as a program. Mark Few favored by six and a half points, according to our friend at Odd Sharks over South Carolina. UNC around the three and a half or four-point favorite over Oregon. So if the odds makers have it correctly, we would see a North Carolina against Gonzaga national title game. I'm of the opinion that we've already seen the national title game I think it was between North Carolina and Kentucky, and the Tar Heels got it done, storming back from a five-point deficit late to win this game, advance to the Final Four, and give Roy Williams a chance at his second overall national title at UNC, coming off of last year's loss on a last-second shot to the Villanova team of Jay Wright. All right, so we're also talking about, is I think in a larger context, Eight years now John Calipari has been 
at the University of Kentucky. I think relative to the amount of talent he has had, which is twice as much NBA talent as every other program in the country, that he has underachieved that you would have anticipated more national titles for John Calipari at Kentucky. In the last eight years, Kentucky has had 28 NBA draft picks. The next best is 14, according to Jason Martin's research, from both UNC and from Duke. If that is, in fact, true, and he has had twice as much NBA talent as every other single coach in America, how is it? that he has only won one national championship during that time. My argument is if you gave Coach K those same 28 players, that K, who has won two national titles during those eight years, would have four, potentially five national championships. The other thing floating around out there is some idiotic people continue to compare Nick Saban and John Calipari. I think that's among the dumbest arguments of all time. Nick Saban has got a dynasty rolling at the University of Alabama. Nick Saban is so successful that he has broken the rest of the SEC because everybody else has tried to keep up with him, and they fired good, not consistent or happy enough with winning nine or ten games in order to try to become great. More often than not, when they fired those coaches, whether it's Phil Fulmer, Les Miles, Mark Rick, or Urban Meyer gets his heart condition and bails, they've ended up with worse situations. McIlwain's worse than Urban Meyer. There's no doubt that I believe Butch Jones worse than Phil Fulmer, that Coach O is worse than Les Miles, and I think I think this is going to happen, although Georgia fans don't believe it. I think Kirby Smart's not going to be as successful as Mark Richt was at the University of Georgia. We'll see whether that ends up being the case. Nick Saban has not had infinitely more talent than everybody else. Nick Saban has had roughly the same amount of talent as the top programs in college football over those years, and he has still managed to win a lot more national championships than John Calipari. It's an insult to Nick Saban to compare him to John Calipari. That's the truth of the matter. Taking your phone calls, 877-996-6369. Jason Martin, you're an Alabama fan. Do you think it's an insult to Nick Saban to compare him to John Calipari? <laughs> it's painful to even hear it. Like that, that is seriously one of the stupidest things I've ever heard. Because it's what Kentucky ridiculous. fans would say is, oh, well, Nick Saban, it's easier to win a national championship in football than it is basketball. I say you're an idiot. Yeah, that's First of all, too. you have to win virtually every game. There's no margin for error. Right, You have to be almost perfect. Alabama was almost perfect last year and lost on a touchdown pass to Hunter Renfro with one second left against Clemson. We were standing on the field, Jason Martin and me, on the field when that play happened. Alabama loses 35-31. Otherwise, they would arguably have been the greatest college football team of all time because they would have been the first one to go 15-0. Alabama has no margin for error. They play in the toughest conference in America in terms of overall talent. Now, the coaching is not as good as it used to be. Nick Saban has dominated the most dominant conference in the history of college athletics when it comes to the SEC and college football. And he's done it despite the fact that everybody else in the conference is obsessed with being great at football. Whereas in the SEC, when it comes to basketball, other than Vanderbilt, is there a single school that cares more about football than basketball and I mean more about basketball than football and I'm not even sure you can say that about Vanderbilt now I think Kentucky is the only school in the SEC out of all 14 schools that cares more about basketball than they do football so you're competing in a sport that everybody else doesn't care as much about on top of that you've had infinitely better talent twice as much talent as UNC or Duke and by the way I don't think there are very many people out there saying boy Duke and UNC are really not talented John Calipari, twice as much talent as Duke and UNC. In fact, putting it into perspective, 
if you combined Duke and UNC over the last eight years, they have had the same number of draft picks as Kentucky by itself. How good would a combined team of Duke and UNC have been over the last eight years? Do you think that combined Duke and UNC over the last eight years would have more than one national title? How about if you made Coach K the coach of that team? If you combined all the draft picks from Duke and UNC over the last eight years and made Coach K the team, the, the coach of that team, would that team have one national title in the last eight years? The answer is hell no. Maybe four from Coach K, maybe five. They might have a John Wooden-like run going on. If you combine, think about that. That puts into perspective how talented Kentucky has been. Duke and UNC combined would equal the number of NBA draft picks that Kentucky has had over the last eight years. So if you put Duke and UNC on one team and you gave Coach K the reins to that team, are you telling me that they would have one national championship? We know that's not the case because Coach K has already won two. And it looks like UNC may well win this year. And we know that Roy Williams won nine years ago. So just between the two of them, you would have at least three. I think you might have five. I think it wouldn't be ridiculous to think that if you gave Coach K the reins to that team, the combination of the talent that Duke and UNC has had, which is the exact same talent that Kentucky's had, and gave Coach K the reins to that program, that he would have five titles, maybe at least four, in the last eight years. Coach K's got one. I think he's drastically underachieved. Taking your calls. What about, yeah, good question. What about Mark Few at Gonzaga? What about Greg Marshall at Wichita State? Doesn't just have to be Coach K. What about if you pulled him back from the NBA and gave Brad Stevens that talent? Guy took Butler to back-to-back national title games. You think he might be able to do a little bit of work with 28 NBA draft picks? I think so. I think that kind of puts into perspective Coach Cal's failures when it comes to actually winning championships. Twice as many draft picks as the number two schools. If you'd have to combine Duke and UNC over the last eight years to equal the same number of draft picks as Kentucky. Hasn't gotten it done. Has had the talent. Hasn't been able to get the wins done. 877-996-6369. Stop with the Nick Saban comparisons. I hear UK people like, oh, Nick Saban. John Gallipari is basically the equivalent of Nick Saban. No, he's not. He's not even close to the same arena as what Nick Saban does at Alabama in football. Nick Saban is so good that he's broken the SEC around him. Nick Saban is the equivalent of what Coach K has done. And by the way, Nick Saban's done it without twice as much talent as everybody else in the entire sport. And stop with your stupid arguments. Oh, well, if Coach Cal got these guys for more than one year, the reason why he has them for more for one year is because he's recruiting the best players. If the NBA didn't have this stupid one-and-done rule, then none of these guys would even come to college, or at least the majority of them wouldn't. They'd go straight to the NBA. And so the reason why Coach K gets them for a year is because he's basically renting them. He's saying, I'm taking talent over experience. So stop with your stupid, well, what would happen if John Wall stayed for three years? Well, what would have happened if LeBron James had gone to college? He probably would have been really good, but he didn't have to. What if Kevin Garnett had gone to college? He probably would have been really good at college. I don't think that's I don't think that's crazy to think. John Calipari 
despite the fact that Kentucky fans, many of them are idiots and refuse to acknowledge it, has drastically underachieved given the amount of talent that he's brought into Kentucky? It's a fair question to ask. How is it that he has only won one national championship in eight years despite having twice the talent of every other team in all of college basketball? It's because he's not been able to do as well as he should have. Give Coach K every great player from Duke and UNC the last eight years. How many titles does he have? Four or five, maybe more. May have a John Wooden run going on. 877-996-6369. What do you think the number would be? Jason Martin, over under. I give you four. Over under John Calipari's players, the 28 number, we give to Coach K instead. I said off the top when we first said this, when you, you, you said four, and I said the first number that came to my head was five, so I'm taking the over. So you're going over on that. Yes. I mean, I, I don't think that's a ridiculous proposition. I mean, that would be John Wooden-esque if he had five and eight years. Four and eight years would also be incredible. Nick Saban-esque. Instead, John Calipari's got one. I think that's a big difference. Let's, uh, let's go ahead and take a break, and then I'm going to go to all your calls. All right? We're going to load up the phone lines, 877-996-6369. I'm also going to tee off on these losers who run this website called Awful Announcing. I'll do that at the bottom of the hour. But next segment, all your calls. Let me make sure that I get all the ads in because I'm a pro, and that's how we get paid. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now that what does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to geico.com 15 minutes ago. Your calls, by the way. Let's end this charade where you ask me how I'm doing. Let's try to be fast here. Assume that the answer to how I'm doing is always excellent. I'm making a good living getting to talk about sports. I'm always doing well, okay? I appreciate you guys caring about how I'm doing. Assume that I'm excellent. What I want is when we go to you on the calls, you dive right into your point. We don't need any pre- uh, prelude, right? I want you to hit the, hit the ground running. Be prepared. Make a play. I don't need any forced talk. I'm excellent. I appreciate the fact that you care, but assume that I am always excellent. Here we go. Your calls. Can we make plays? 877-996-6369. I'm Clay Travis. You're listening to Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios, everybody's got a to-do list. Drop off the dry cleaning, pick up some milk. Here's an idea. Let's add save hundreds of dollars on car insurance. And the good thing is you don't have to drop off or pick up anything. All you have to do is go to Geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could be saving 15% or more on car insurance, extra money in your pocket. It just may be the most rewarding to-do you do today. Diving back into your calls, again, the test, can we be successful? Jason Martin, if anybody asks me how I'm doing, you have to hang up on them immediately, okay? I'm so happy. I'm so thrilled that you've had it as, as up to here as I have, because that's just, it's... We need to find a way to make the callers smarter. We have an intelligent audience. It's time to make Sports Talk Radio great again by making the callers a more streamlined experience. I'm very excited about this. All right. So if you hear somebody ask me how I'm doing, you immediately hang up on them. That's the test. All right. We have loaded lines. I'm going to go take your calls. Let's be streamlined. Let's be efficient. I am great. I appreciate the fact that you care, but assume that I am always outstanding. If I'm not great, I'll tell you. If things are not going well in my life, I'll tell you. I have three hours a day to tell people how bad I'm doing. I appreciate the fact that you care. I don't mind when you say that you love the show and that you hate what ESPN does. I'll take that. But me personally, I'm great. All right, Johnny in Virginia. Johnny, what's up? Hey, Clay, real quick about your uh, how to make college basketball great again. Not only will it make college basketball great again, 
it will make the NBA better. Again, the NBA is a top-heavy league. We know who's going to be in the finals for the most part. And all these teams that select one and done, they're bad last year. They're bad the year they get the one and done. They're bad for years to come. Look at the Suns. They get all kinds of U.K. players. The Suns were bad last year. They're bad this year. They're going to keep being bad for a while. Your plan would let the elite of the elite go ahead and go to the league, and they'd let the second-tier elite get groomed for a good three years before we get them as an NBA product. That's all I got. Thanks, Clay. Johnny was perfect. Strong argument there. Now, I disagree with him in this sense. I don't think that the reason why those teams are bad is because the players are young. I think it's just because the NBA is a top-heavy league. And if you have LeBron James and you have the star power that the Warriors have, maybe if you've got Greg Popovich and everything that he's been able to do with the Spurs, there's like three good teams. And this is my number one criticism of the NBA. When the Major League Baseball playoffs start, you can legitimately say any team that's in the playoffs could win. When the NFL playoffs start, even though sometimes the quarterback situations are broken, if you have a healthy quarterback, you can legitimately say one of these teams, any one of these teams with a healthy quarterback who's decent could win the Super Bowl, right? Wild card, team that gets the overall number one seed, they're all in the mix. Hockey, you get into hockey, doesn't matter where you're the eighth seed. The LA Kings, I think, did it out of the eighth spot a few years ago. If you got a hot goalie, you have a chance to win a championship. You get in the NBA playoffs, there are three teams that can win. There's 16 teams in the playoffs starting this year, uh, every year, but there's 16 teams starting at the beginning. There are three that can win. I'm not giving the Houston Rockets a chance. I'm not giving the Boston Celtics a chance. There are three teams that can win a championship this year. The, uh, the Cavs, the Warriors, and the Spurs. That's it. And the Cavs and the Warriors are prohibitive favorites. That's a flaw of the overall sport. If you get me to the playoffs and only a couple of teams can still win it, then what's the point of the playoffs? Why am I going to sit around for three months and wait for the NBA Finals? Uh, it's playoffs? Yeah. Let's go to Brian in Kentucky. Brian, what's up? Hey, Clay. Calipari is the prime example of taking advantage of the current system that he's in. If he wants the top talent, they know that if they go to Kentucky, they have the best shot as any to go to the NBA. And he spends the entire season taking all these me, me, me players and trying to turn them into a team And at some point, he's going to hit a North Carolina that has two or three strong upperclassmen that he doesn't have, and he's going to lose the big game the last three seconds. The biggest question you've got to ask Kentucky fans, and I'm one of them, is, is this what you care about? Do you want to be really competitive year in and year out? And Calipari does that for us. And until he stops doing that, Kentucky's going to welcome him with open arms. Yeah, that's the that's the balancing act. Let me ask you this. Did you enjoy the Rick Patino years more or the John Calipari years more? He dropped he, off. He's already gone. I think yeah. that's the question you have to ask yourself. Tubby Smith won the first title in ninety eight with a lot of the Rick Patino players. Rick Patino built that program back up from nothing, right? Nineteen ninety six, great run, incredible team. You felt like you knew the players that were on that team because they had been around for years. I just don't buy into the fact that the average fan really has any clue what these guys are like, right? And I feel like as a fan, especially when it comes to college football and college basketball, you want to feel like you're growing with the team. It's more fun if you watch a team kind of develop over multiple years and if you watch players develop over multiple years because you have an experience with that team. 
These Kentucky guys, they're in and they're gone, right? And then maybe you fall into the NBA, maybe you don't, but you definitely feel like you're renting good guys. And I like to think, and I think most college sports fans like to think, that you've got a long-term connection to these guys. And I just don't feel that way about Kentucky. And I feel like for casual college basketball fans, it sucks because you get to know the players and then they're gone right? This year's Kentucky team losing a tough game in the Elite Eight. There's a ton of you listening right now that next year they would come back and you would feel like you had experienced something with them. Is De'Aaron Fox going to be able to get to the Final Four this year? Is this the year that Malik Monk puts everything together and doesn't disappear for 25 minutes of this game before showing up and hitting two incredible three-pointers at the very end of the game? Is this the year that Kentucky's not going to fall apart in the final three minutes of the game and not be able to keep pace with North Carolina? Instead, next year, we're going to have the same questions. Probably come on, take the same calls. Kentucky loses. Well, it's because they don't have enough experience. Well, you can't blame Cal. Well, ultimately, you're getting paid $8 million a year, dude. You're getting paid more than Nick Saban. You're getting paid more than any college basketball coach has ever been paid in the history of the sport. And you've only got one title in eight years, despite the fact that you've had twice as many good players as everybody else. I think that's on Cal. I really do. Trent in Nashville. What's up, Trent? Uh, Yeah, I just want to say, uh, is it really Cal's fault that the players aren't performing in the NBA, or is it the front offices of the NBA teams? Oh, once these guys leave, once these guys leave, it's not Cal's fault what happens to them in the NBA. They were there for one year. I'm just saying that right now, if you stripped away every one-and-done player that John Calipari has recruited from the NBA, other than the Washington Wizards with John Wall, maybe with the Clippers with Eric Bledsoe, right? And I don't even know that he makes that much of a difference. Does the Mm -hmm. overall landscape of the NBA change at all? I'm not saying Anthony Davis is not a great player, all those things. I'm just saying that every one-and-done player that has left Kentucky has not led to a championship ascendance in any of the teams that they've joined. I think that it's fair to say that John Wall and the Wizards are the team that can make the biggest run that's directly attributable to a Kentucky, former Kentucky one-and-done player. That's not a ridiculous – you're a big NBA fan. That's accurate, I, right? Yeah, yeah, that's accurate. And I would agree. I would just think that some of the players that have been drafted out of Kentucky, and I'm going to say that I'm a huge Kentucky fan, are not like quality players. Like you look you look down the list, you have Josh Harrelson, DeAndre Liggins, Deron Lamb, uh, Alex Poitras. Like they're all not really that great of basketball players to begin with. So – they're getting drafted because of the spotlight of Kentucky, or what's the issue? No, I think they're getting drafted. Look, thanks for the call. The challenge is it's hard to be good in the NBA, right? The NBA only gives 30 guaranteed contracts every year. And half of those guaranteed contracts are going to foreign players now. You watch the draft when it comes out in June. I watched the draft this past June. 15 of the guys, I believe I'm correct in this, who were drafted were foreign-born. Basketball is the number two global sport in America behind soccer. And so you're looking at maybe 15 spots really going to American college players. Of those spots, what are six or seven of them are going to be one-and-done guys, maybe eight. So when I was a kid growing up, you sit down, you watch the NBA draft, you knew every player. Every single player that was going to be drafted, you knew, because I was a huge college basketball fan, and I had watched them play in the NCAA tournament, and I had watched them play 
throughout their careers. Nowadays, I'll sit down and watch the NBA draft. I ain't sitting around watching Eurobasket highlights, all right? I'm not watching the uh, the Venezuelan pro leagues and knowing the highlights of some dude who's going to get drafted at a high level there. Last year, 15 international first-rounders. The record prior to that was 12 in 2013. I think that's going to become more and more prominent. Basketball has become such a global sport that everybody in the world is playing it, and it's not going to be a function that America, which has only 323 million people, is going to be producing the best talent every year. Some years we'll have the best players. Some years we won't. We've expanded the, expanded the globe. And with that has come a lot of other options for where guys can go in the NBA and get really talented players. That hurts college basketball. There's zero doubt. Uh, let's go ahead and go find out what's trending. Go to a couple more of your calls, and I will destroy awful announcing still to come. I'm Clay Travis. This is Outkick the Coverage. And now let's find out what's trending. Welcome back to the Fox Sports Radio studios brought to you by Geico. Easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. My guy Hal in Portland, we need to hear from him more often. People still love him. And he was the star of last week's show. And nobody was better than Hal when it came to telling you not to get hit by trains. Here's Hal's read last week. If you think a train will stop if it sees your car on the track, you're right. It will about a mile after it hits you. Stop. Trains can't. That, my friends, is what you call Radio Gold. We need to hear from Hal. Everybody wants to hear from Hal this week. So, Hal, if you're listening, we need to get you an update. I need you to call back in. You have the best voice in the history of any caller. It's going to go to the callers here in a sec. Tomorrow, I should say this. The expectation is that the L.A. formerly Raiders and the Oakland formerly Raiders uh, will be in Vegas starting potentially in 2018. I'm going to dive into that story. We're going to talk about that a lot tomorrow. But that is something that's going to happen later today. I don't know if you guys saw this. Uh, Tens of thousands of you read it on the OutKick site. I don't really go after my critics too much. The reason I don't go after my critics too much is because most of the time my critics don't have the audience that I have. In other words, I wish my critics were more successful. I wish they had bigger audiences because every time I get criticized, more people come and listen to the show, more people read the site. Criticism is basically the best free advertisement I can get. So I always say, if you hate this show, Please tell everybody you know how much you hate this show because you know what's going to happen? A lot of the people that you tell you hate the show, they're going to tune in. They're going to be like, you know what? I do. I agree. This guy sucks. But then a lot of other people are going to say, you know what? I kind of like this guy. And then we'll end up doing what we do, which is evangelize. And everybody will be out there talking about the show. And that's how we've grown. Never had a dollar spent on marketing at anything that we've done at OutKick. It's all been organic, ground up. So there's this loser-run site called Awful Announcing. I don't know how many of you have ever been to it. Uh, it's, it's like dead spin for people whose penises don't work, which is about as an indictment, much of an indictment as I could possibly give, because you know that I think that dead spin is an awful site right now. Well, Awful Announcing is dead spin for people whose penises don't work and also who have basically been lobotomized. All they do is typically rewrite articles that other people have sent them, you know, like press releases, everything else. I murdered them. If you want to see what an actual murder looks like in this day and age in sports media, you need to go to Outkick the Coverage today and click on my article about awful announcing. They 100% lied. And, and the reason why I decided to respond, they've been writing about me for years. Negative articles, whatever else. Like, I don't really care. Again, 
But the moment that you try to attribute something to me that is 100% a lie, I'm going to return fire, and I'm not going to return fire with, like, a pea shooter. I'm going to return fire with an atomic bomb, and I'm going to level your sight. And so they went out on Friday. I'm sitting around eating lunch with my family, and a bunch of you start tweeting me. Again, you can find me at Clay Travis on Twitter. They tweeted, Clay Travis says Colin uh, says Kaepernick's protest, quote, led to thousands of dead. That's 100% false. I said the same thing on this radio that I've been saying for a long time about Colin Kaepernick's protest. They made up a lie about me. And I finally decided to return fire, and I ended them. That site is dead. And I'm contemplating, thank you for the cocking of the gun there, I'm honestly contemplating filing a lawsuit against them because I think I would win, and I think I would bankrupt them, just like Hulk Hogan did Gawker. And I'm not sure whether I'm going to file the lawsuit or not. I can put on my lawyer hat here and tell you that I think I would win and that I think I would bankrupt them in filing the lawsuit because I'm fine. Again, if you disagree with my opinion, more power to you. I do not run from disagreements. I open up phone lines. I take more calls than anybody in the national radio does. I have no idea from one moment to the next. We're about to go back to calls what people are going to say. You guys could say anything. I love the uncertainty of it. I take calls over guests. What have we done today? We had Doug Gottlieb in hour one, only guest we've had on. By and large, I would rather go to callers than I would have athletes or coaches on because most of the time athletes and coaches say nothing, right? They're boring. You have to work hard with them. They're not that entertaining. I'd rather go to random callers because you guys, I think, can carry the show better than athletes and coaches typically can. Only time I ever return fire is when people just make up lies about me. And when people make up lies about you, I think at some level you're required to return fire. And when I return fire and I decide to actually engage, some people like tiptoe up to the line. I just obliterate people. All right. I don't tiptoe up to the line. If I decide that I'm going to engage with you, I end the argument. I murder you. All that's left is blood and guts. So this site, if you've ever read it, awful announcing, they have been ended. And I might decide to sue them and bankrupt them and verify and take over the site and just roll it into OutKick. I really might. Jason Martin, was I too much in my response to awful announcing? No, not based on the fact that that tweet was ridiculous and I mean, you it's asked a lot. him to pull it down. It's 100% defamatory. They made, up a, yes. a, they made up a quote for me that wasn't true. They're in the business of trying to criticize media who are in the business of sports. All I, I look, Again, any opinion that I have, nobody out there, you guys don't have to agree with it at all. I, I'm a robust believer in the First Amendment. I say all the time, what I believe in more than anything else in America is the First Amendment, the marketplace of ideas, and boobs. Neither have ever let me down. I'm a big fan of boobs. I'm a big fan of the First Amendment. My two things that I believe in the most, all right? You can disagree with me on any opinion, but the moment that you lie and make up an opinion that I didn't have and try to attribute it to me to tear me down, I'm going to end you. So that's what I did on the article on the site. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think it was right. And, I, you know, I read the article yesterday, and I, you know, I agreed with a lot of it. I used to have Matt Yoder, who was kind of high up with Awful Announcing for a long time on my local show here in Nashville, and he was always really cordial. He was never a particular fan of yours, but it wasn't anything vitriolic or anything like that. The stuff that Ben Koo and some of these guys are doing, though, it's ridiculous. They play favorites over there. You know, I've read the site off and on here and there. I'll go, I'll see a headline, somebody will tweet me something or send me a DM from the site or something, I'll go over and check it out. 
they play favorites there to an unbelievable degree. There's not an even playing field. It's like if they find a reason not to like you, they're going to bury you until the end of time. And if you're a darling, if you're the right person at the right time, they will defend you to the nth degree, usually without any evidence to back it up. So, no, you know, you got attacked. You get attacked there all the time and don't see it. I do because people send it to me, and most of the time I don't bother to even tell you about it because I know you couldn't possibly care less. But they have been on you and on you and on you and on you forever, and this is just this – is, this is another level of bad. Like, you cannot put a false tweet out there, and then when somebody says, look, I didn't say that, please take that down, change it – and you don't do that and you double down on it, then yes, you have absolutely every right to pull out a gun and you know do what you have to do on your website to take them down. Yeah, and I think, again, I might have to sue them and just end the site. I mean, I really might because I gave them the opportunity, and they pulled the tweet, but they left the article up, and they pulled the tweet without acknowledging that they had been distributing lies. Again, you can have any opinion about me that you want. The only thing that I request is actually use the words that I write or the words that I say when you dispute what I'm saying, like that goes for everybody out there. That's what I do. I don't just make up things that somebody might've said. I go to the actual source. I go to the actual content and I say, okay, I disagree or I agree with this. When you just make up quotes about what somebody said that isn't accurate, you deserve to get bankrupted. I think in this modern era, and I might decide to bankrupt that site. We'll have to see. Your calls to complete the show, 877-996-6369. If you read that article, you can respond on that. You can also obviously die in. Big topic of the day. Has got John Calipari underachieved relative to the fact that he's had twice as much NBA talent as everybody else in college basketball? Big question I asked you. Can you imagine if Coach K had had 28 NBA players instead of the 14 that he's had? How many titles would he have won compared to Cal Zero doubt in my mind that given the amount of NBA talent he's had, John Calipari has vastly underachieved. I am Clay Travis. You're listening to Outkick the Coverage, where we overachieve every single day here on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios, final segment of the show. As always, go download us on iTunes now. You can also go listen to the full show at foxsportsradio.com. Drive the new Duralast GT brake pads, proven tough from the tracks to the streets and sold only at AutoZone. Get in the zone, AutoZone. We will finish with your calls here in uh, the roll-through. Uh, tomorrow, just so you know, Alex Marvez will be in. I'm, I'm telling you that I already know this. I mean, we'll talk about what's going to happen with LeBron and the Spurs tonight. But I really want to dive in, assuming that it happens, and the expectation is that it is going to happen that we're going to find out that the Oakland Raiders are moving to Las Vegas and what that means for the overall sports gambling universe. You guys know that I love to gamble. And whether or not this signals a substantial shift in the NFL's willingness to consider nationwide legalized sports gambling. I think as soon as you put a franchise in Vegas, and again, we're going to talk about this quite a bit tomorrow, I think it kills your argument that you can't have professional legalized sports gambling nationwide. Same thing with the NHL, although I think the NHL gambling is much less of an issue. Football is a driving force for gambling in the country. And if the NFL puts a franchise in Las Vegas, to me, it's only a short amount of time until legalized sports gambling is available in this country. And then every state can make its own decision, just like they have with the lottery. 
if the NFL is allowing scratch-off lottery tickets with team-sponsored logos and they have a team in Las Vegas, there's no way that they can take the position that sports gambling would hurt their brand. No way. Okay, let's finish with your calls. Chad in Pennsylvania. Chad, what's up? Yeah, Clay, I just wanted to call and say there, Coach K definitely has the over on the four. Um, he can't even recruit the guys at Kentucky and UNC can because the SAT score requirements are much higher at Duke. Um, people seem to forget that. Uh, yeah, I mean, it is a uh, it is definite factor there. Let's go to uh, Dennis in Florida. Dennis, what's up? He gone. Come on, man. This is why we can't have nice things. This is why we can't have nice things. Dennis in Florida, I don't know what happened there. But Twitter goes after the callers, and they say you're all a bunch of idiots. And I try to defend the callers, and then Dennis in Florida makes that kind of play. I just can't defend it. Ryan in Kentucky, what's up? Yes, I think if you go back to the Billy Clyde years, they were so bad that I think Kentucky fans were willing to accept the one-and-done culture without thinking about the repercussions of, of what would happen year after year after year. And I really think as a Kentucky fan myself that uh, there's really two years you can point to to say we really felt like Cal blew it. And I, I would say that was the undefeated team. And then the John Wall year, they definitely had the most talent and underachieved. Yeah, no, look, I'm with you. I, I think in both of those years, Kentucky had the best team in college basketball. They certainly did the year they lost to Wisconsin in the Final Four. And they certainly did in the John Wall, DeMarcus Cousins, Eric Bledsoe year. Should not have lost. I believe they lost in that year in the Elite Eight. I don't think that team even went to the Final Four. I think they lost in the Elite Eight, if I'm not mistaken, to Bob Huggins in West Virginia. They broke out like the 1-3-1 zone, and Kentucky looked like they'd never seen a zone before. And West Virginia pulled off a huge upset over that team. And then Wisconsin pulled off a huge upset over Kentucky in the uh, in the year two years ago when they went and lost to poor Wisconsin fans, when they went and blew the lead that they had against Duke to allow Duke, that was the year that Grayson Allen kind of stepped onto the national radar. And I think both those years, John Calipari should have won a national championship and didn't. And he's won one national championship. And again, I started off the show by pointing out that he's not that much better than Tubby Smith. Tubby Smith, 21 NCAA tournament wins. John Calipari, 26 in their first eight years at Kentucky. Uh, Tubby Smith went to eight NCAA tournaments. John Calipari's been to seven. Remember, there was one NIT in there. John Calipari has been to four Final Fours to one Final Four for Tubby. But Sweet 16s are better. Tubby Smith with six Sweet 16s are better. John Calipari with six Sweet 16s are better. And in the last three years, for everybody out there who's like, well, Tubby Smith inherited Rick Pitino's players – in the last three years of their tenure, six, seven, and eight, Tubby Smith won seven NCAA tournament games. In the last three years for John Calipari, years six, seven, and eight, he's won eight NCAA tournament games. So John Calipari in the in year six, seven, and eight at Kentucky has won one more NCAA tournament game than what Tubby Smith did. Now, if you compare the overall NBA talent then, that Tubby Smith had versus John Calipari has had, not even in the remote vicinity, right? John Calipari's had 28 NBA players in his eight years. He's about to add to that with draftees, probably four or five draftees this year. And that's twice as many as everybody else in college basketball has had. You do the numbers and you look at this, 
John Calipari has drastically underachieved relative to his overall NBA talent compared to the rest of college basketball. And anybody out there who's trying to compare John Calipari and Nick Saban, and there's a lot of people who do it, you're idiots. Nick Saban has created a dynasty at Alabama. And it's a lot harder to create a dynasty in football than it is in basketball, where you know who the best players are going to be every year, and Kentucky gets to go get them. Nick Saban has to develop. They have to deal with the fact that they got 85 players as opposed to about six. It's so much more of an effort on Nick Saban's part, and Nick Saban has been infinitely more successful. You could put on your big blue glasses and put up your three, like, eye fingers, like whatever that gesture is called. The truth of the matter is this. John Calipari has underachieved at Kentucky relative to his talent. Anything else, bad argument. I'm Clay Travis. Tomorrow we talk a lot about the Raiders in Vegas on Outkick the Coverage here on Fox Sports Radio. Infinity Presents, a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You know, in today's world, it seems the best treatment is reserved only for a few. Well, Discover wants to change that by making everyone feel special. That's why with your Discover card, you have access to 24-7 live customer service as well as $0 fraud liability, which means you're never held responsible for unauthorized purchases. Finally, no matter who you are or where you are in life, you'll feel special with Discover. Learn more at discover.com slash credit card. Limitations apply. Today's episode is brought to you by The American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Anne Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, The American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Now playing only in theaters. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroesfilm.com to get tickets now. If you're looking for the most epic place on Earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes in a Nissan Pathfinder, search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions.